Welcome to the Live Explore podcast. If you like what you hear, please hit like and subscribe. Welcome, everyone. I'm Sean Payne, founder of Live Explore Real Estate and Lifestyle, and uh, welcome to the Live Explore 15 Minute Village podcast. I have with me today uh, my co host, uh, Isaiah Chass. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. And uh, I ha- we have a, a really cool uh, guest today, Paul Fritz of Fritz Architecture out in Sebastopol. Yep. So um, let's just talk about uh, urbanism and, and kind of everything that you do that way. Sure. So, uh, how long have you lived in Sebastopol? I have lived in Sebastopol for about uh, 21 years. Okay. Yeah, about 21 and a half years. Mm-hmm. Moved here from moved up there from San Francisco. Uh, actually, we were looking actually in Petaluma and Sebastopol, and we were deciding to move out of the city. We had a baby and uh-huh. one bedroom apartment, and felt like the time to buy. And um, yeah, so we looked in both Petaluma and Sebastopol. I was kind of pushing for Petaluma just because I was still working in San Francisco. Uh huh. Just closer, shorter commute, but you know, our, our first offer we got accepted was in Sebastopol, so that's where kind of we ended up. Did you have roots up here in uh, Sonoma County, or no. what? What kind of drew you up here? So my wife is originally my wife is from Nevada. Oh, okay, and so she had been up here a lot, you know, growing up, uh-huh. and she actually has said, you know. She remembers being in high school with a friend and being in Sebastopol thinking, you know, this would be a nice town to raise a family. And Right, right. You know, 20 years later, there she was, <laughs> you know, starting yep. to raise a family in Sebastopol. So yep. be careful what you say. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that's – that's. I, and I could see uh, Nevada wouldn't be as appealing, I would think, to you in their downtown area, especially 21 yeah. years ago. Yeah. So. I mean, we were definitely looking to, to be in a walkable environment still. You know, we were – been in San Francisco for a long time and we're used to getting around by foot and bike and even when we were looking up here a realtor kept showing us these like country properties and we're like right we don't want the country property we don't want acreage we live in a little apartment we just want a little more space and like (laughs) not too much yard because I mean I like gardening and stuff but we didn't want like acres to take care of, right <laughs> you know right right so um and yeah we really wanted to focus on the being able to walk around having our daughter be able to walk to school and and all that so mm-hmm. um yeah we you know looked in san rafael was one we sort of initially considered but just wasn't really in our price range to right, live right. close to downtown and um so yeah we ended up up, up here and we wanted to live close to the coast as well you know we wanted to uh-huh. Sure. Yeah, definitely be closer to the coast. I mean, I was considering the East Bay, and my wife is like, I need the beach. We need to be a, closer to the beach. So I, sure. I think what you just described, you know, we're in real estate, is, is what we hear so often. Uh-huh. Kind of what drives our market is people often getting out of the city or, or some area, wanting to come up here yeah. and, and, and wanting a little bit slower life in a small community and, yeah. you know, and being close to the ocean or wine country or something like that nature. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. So. yeah. Were you involved with architecture and urbanism? Prior to, I'm, I'm assuming you were prior to moving up to Sebastopol. Was there any part of that that drew you to Sebastopol as well? Um, not specifically. Like I said, when I first moved up here, I was still working in San Francisco. I was working for a firm that did a lot of affordable housing. Okay. Um, and then when we first moved here, I continued working for them for about a year until I got a job in Santa Rosa, also working for an architect that did primarily affordable housing types of work. Um, and you know, I've always been somewhat interested in kind of planning and urban design as well. I haven't really done that much professionally, mm-hmm. um, but I definitely think about it a lot. And I have a blog that I write about um, urbanism called Small Town Urbanism. Which anyone who's listening definitely should go check it out. There's a ton of 
really cool stuff in there. Yeah, so that's kind of how I got my kind of get that out of my system, you know, uh-huh. kind of writing and thinking about that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I feel like I've had that in me for a long time, and I, I kind of wish I had when I went got my master's degree. I wish I had done like a joint urban design architecture kind of program rather than just strictly architecture because I feel like that's something I I don't get to do as much professionally as I would like. Right, right, right. No, I yeah. I, uh, I I can really relate to that actually. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, it's it's a a cool field that never even. Like, yeah. just came across, you know, like uh, in my younger years that yeah. way. So, um, yeah, no, I, I can totally understand that. Yeah, I feel like I've, I've thought, you know, I think back to, you know, yeah, growing up and stuff, I feel like I've, I've always been attracted to cities and uh-huh. that kind of environment. I mean, even as a kid, I grew up in a very kind of suburban environment outside of Cleveland, actually. Oh, okay. And I just remember always, you know, every time we go into Cleveland, I had an aunt and uncle that lived on the other side of Cleveland. We sometimes meet downtown or do things in Cleveland. I always love being in the city and right. the energy and the vibrancy and the walking and all that. And uh, it's been, yeah, something that's been just sort of in me, I feel like, that comes out every once in a while. <laughs> uh, is it from your blog? So we met you through, was it an urban chat? Yeah, it was an urban chat. Or urban chat. Yeah. Uh, affordable yeah. housing project. Yeah, affordable yeah. housing uh, yeah. project. Uh, was it through your blog that you connected with that community locally or? or? Yeah, so I met Dave Alden. Uh-huh. Um, I was involved in an effort, I don't know, maybe eight or ten years ago now. Um, this group we were calling um, Urban Community Partnership. Okay. And we brought um, Chuck Marone from Strong Towns and okay. Joe Minicosi from Urban 3 out to do uh, kind of a study, it's primarily uh, Santa Rosa, um, but we kind of looked at the county and kind of did Joe Minicosi's kind of thing where he looks at the, you know, the land use per acre, um, productivity of, he did like basically the whole county, they did the parcels throughout the county. And right. So we brought them here, there, here to, uh, for that and had a few kind of public events in Santa Rosa. We invited elected officials and people to come hear what they had to say. And so that's where I initially met Dave and then have sort of followed him and his Petaluma Urban Chat. Yep. He's stuff. a rock star. He's yeah, a he's great, great guy. I wish I could I had the energy and the time to do what he does. Right. That's what we that's what we probably tell him like twice a week is like, how are you just going nonstop? Like yeah. I'm exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> I'm exhausted by Tuesday just we going to a couple of events. Sometimes we have to take a break. Yeah. 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 So uh, yeah. So you've always had a passion for architecture and, and urbanism. Mm-hmm. Um, what type of services do you and your firm provide now? Um, so mostly architecture. Um, I do. I like to do affordable housing still. Um, so I try to do affordable housing when I can. And you've done um, some for people that are listening. Pretty big projects. Yeah. When I worked for the firm in Santa Rosa, we one of the regular clients was uh, Burbank Housing. Okay. We did. Uh, so I've worked as project architect on a number of Burbank housing projects. Right. Um, and since I've been on my own, it's been about thirteen years. Um, I still have done some of those. Uh, uh, larger affordable housing and there's one client particular community housing Sonoma County I've done like, quite a few projects with some uh-huh. of those are veterans we did a couple of veterans housing projects um, an affordable housing project with a kind of partnership with another architecture firm in Cloverdale it was finished construction last year um, and then other just you know residential remodel new homes a lot of ADUs I, ADUs are getting you know really popular right. getting a lot of uh, inquiries about ADUs and a variety like some are like completely new construction some are remodeling a garage or right. another existing building so kind of a 
wide range of ADU types of projects. Um, and a little bit of commercial work. I mentioned, you know, I was doing a couple of places, spaces in the Barlow. I did the the Bear Republic in Roner Park that is now shuttered, but... Um, right, right. Yeah. They were sold off, yeah. 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 No, I, uh, that was a cool cool place. I used to... I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. I used to go there uh, <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. With the ADUs, are you seeing more... There might not be any correlation with this, but are you seeing more... Uh, homeowners, landowners that want to do ADUs with properties closer to town, or is it more country properties on um, significant acreage? Um, it's been a mix. Mm-hmm. Um, I've definitely done some um, out in the county, uh, outside of any jurisdiction, you know, city jurisdiction. Um, but I've also, yeah, done them in town as well. Sure. A couple in Sebastopol, several in Sebastopol, several in kind of... Um, Santa Rosa and JC neighborhood and um, but then some of their they're further afield uh-huh. um, mm-hmm. and they're for a variety of purposes too like some are for you know a, an older parent that's moving in or right right some just want the extra space and aren't you know it's more of like a guest suite kind of thing uh-huh. and some people are planning on renting them out to you know whoever you know just as a rental property so it's kind of a variety of of reasons some people or downsizing, you know, one client that's has a you know big house. She has, her kids are gone, and she's thinking, you know, I retire. I want to downsize into something smaller, and so she'll probably rent the big house out and live in the ADU. Right, right. Uh, one property right now where the they're actually building the ADU first. It was a fire rebuild property, so they're going to build the ADU and live in that. Was so it the one around the corner? No, this is one that's actually it's on uh, Bennett Ridge. Got it. Outside of Santa, you know, Santa Rosa. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, and Santa, I was thinking yeah. that when it's possible. Yeah, no. Um, so anyway, so yeah, kind of a variety of locations and a variety of pr- reasons for doing it. No, that's great. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think I saw yesterday, I just read that California put in, built 24,080 U's this year, which I was a little surprised that it was that many. It was yeah. up from like 1,500 20 years ago or something yeah. like that. So it's really increased. Yeah. And I think that just shows like the functionality of what you said. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it can totally increase the the functionality of a property to like mm-hmm. what you need it to like yeah. you just gave like a dozen yeah. scenarios right <laughs> yeah. like of, yeah. of what it's used for and that's what we find too yeah. so so right. um i just think it's a hopefully that that trend continues that way yeah so i, I think that you know the state you know has really come down pretty hard on making you know jurisdictions make it easier to do right and and kind of get out of the way and that sort of shows what can happen when cities kind of get out of the way yeah <laughs> no and let people build housing yeah well, people will do it and it's cool sebastopol sebastopol is such a cool town it's so walkable mm-hmm. but as we've talked about before mm-hmm. there's there's just not that much downtown centralized housing no. so if, if there's a way to you know bring some further housing closer downtown yeah that's that's one of the primary ways that that's going to be accomplished yeah i think so i think so there's not you know sebastopol's pretty built out we have an urban growth boundary like everybody else we don't have a lot of big properties that are going to get a big housing development there's one that's in construction right now it's an affordable housing project uh-huh. um and then there's one that apparently is coming forward within the very north end of town so several acre uh property but there's not there's not like a, there's not many properties of an acre or larger right. in Sebastopol that can really accommodate a significant number of units. Right, so, right. Um, to be able to do that, to to be able to increase the you know, number of units in Sebastopol, it's really going to be mostly through uh, ADUs or SB nine kind of 
situation. Projects, yeah, right. that's that's a good point. I, I want to get more into that, yeah. uh, but I want to veer off a little bit because of your experience in affordable housing. Mm-hmm. Uh, c- can you tell us like what challenges you've always you all, you always face in affordable housing, mm-hmm. and has have those challenges changed in recent years, or have, have they compounded um, become more a problem? Yeah, there's there's. Um, you know, it's always just about finding the right site, uh-huh. you know? I mean, affordable housing developers, just like everybody else, are looking for a property that they can afford, <laughs> you right. know, and develop. And, right. um, and also, you know, that they can that they can develop in a way that um, it is easier from an entitlement standpoint, uh-huh. you know? Like, just, although I have to say a lot of affordable projects that I've worked on, needed a zoning amendment or a general plan amendment or whatever just because the land wasn't zoned appropriately right. for multifamily or whatever, you know. So that has always been the case. Um, and again, I think with the state coming down and saying you, you just need to let this happen in more places that I think that's getting easier. You're finding less complicated entitlement processes um, than you used to. You know, because because the state's just like, you know, if it meets this, these criteria, you have to basically allow it by right. Right, right, right. So in that sense, I think it's getting a bit easier. Um, it's, it's you know, the challenge with affordable housing has always just been the financing of it, too. Right. You know, they're extremely complicated to put together. I mean, much more so, I think, than market rate. Because uh-huh. there's just usually a huge pool of different funding you know, subsidies yeah. and things of that nature. Yeah, that, yeah. that was my, my that was kind of where my question was going. Uh, is it harder now with cost of building materials and land? You I know? think that is, I think it's certainly harder. It's always been a competitive sure. process, you know, to get a lot of affordable housing is done through tax credits, uh-huh. and those are very competitive. Um, and some of the communities in Sonoma County get they they get uh, benefit of being rural. There's kind of a rural, sort of a separate pool for rural communities versus urban communities, uh-huh. um, the tax credit process. But it, it's very competitive. They, there's always, um, basically, if you want to get a tax credit for an affordable housing project, you have to get the maximum number of points. And then they have all these, like, sort of tiebreaker right. categories from mm-hmm. that you know, that you need to you know, because that's that's how they they sort of give you points when you submit, and you get a lot of points actually for being in a more an environment that's closer to amenities. You know, grocery stores, schools, workplaces, and things like that. Like you actually get points to the tax credit application process for being a more walkable uh, location. Right. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I know very little about the process, but it seems like there's some complicated metrics there to yeah. figure this out. That yeah. yeah is, and it, if I'm not mistaken, those aren't awarded until the project is fully approved or entitled. Correct. Yeah, you have to get your entitlements so, to be I mean, competitive. Yeah. yeah so you know, think so you, about yeah. that. That you have to invest. Yeah. All that to get it through the entitlement process, not even guaranteed that you have the funding mechanism in place yeah. to see the project yeah. through. And I've definitely been involved in projects where it, it takes several rounds. Like they'll apply one year, they won't get it. They have, you know, it, it takes a couple of rounds of tax credit applications before they get before they get the award. Right. So it's not it's not a guarantee, and it, it does take time. I mean, most affordable housing projects I've worked on are, you know probably at least a minimum of five years from conception to completion and most are probably longer than that you know, right it's a long process and 
yeah, there's money that has to go out up front to buy the property and to pay the architects and all that to get you through an entitlement. Wow. Yeah. I mean, again, that's a that's a podcast in itself. Yeah, right <laughs> it really is. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> let's stick to Sebastopol, yeah. the 15 minute village, right now. But yeah, we may have to have you come back and talk about that. Yeah. That'd be a really interesting podcast. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna shut up because I don't want to veer off. Yeah. But, but yeah, let's get back into the 15 minute village. Um, how do you see the? You were just mentioning that there isn't a lot of vacant lots to, mm-hmm. to do like uh, bigger projects that way. Mm-hmm. So it's just through increased density that way. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you see the fifteen minute village being incorporated into Sebastopol? I mean, I guess a little. It, it, it has pretty good walkability right now in downtown. Yeah, I mean, I think it is a fifteen minute village. I, mean, right. I live downtown. I live a block off of Main Street, uh-huh. um, and I can. You know, within a 15-minute walk, I mean, a 15-minute bike ride, I can get right. all the way across the basketball. Right. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it's like two square miles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, being great in 15 minutes. So it's not like... I think for anyone living in Sebastopol, it, it is a 15-minute village, really. Not everyone walks in Sebastopol. Um, you know, people... You know, we're Americans, and we just are just attached to our car. Right. So we don't even often think that oh, I could walk this distance, <laughs> yep. you know, it, it, but um, for the most part, you know, definitely living downtown. I mean, I think I've looked up, haven't done it recently, but I think, you know, where I live, my walk score is like 90 mm-hmm. or something. I mean, I could walk to, within 15 minutes, I can walk to three grocery stores, like probably five banks, right. you know, the post office, the library, lots of restaurants, a movie theater, we used to have a live theater downtown Sebastopol and unfortunately mm-hmm. closed. Um, and, and, you know, just walking trail. Like, I can walk to the Joe Trail from my house, the West County Trail, you know, like, all of that. So recreation is close by. Parks are close by. So, I mean, my office is on Main Street. It's a three-minute and 15-second walk from my house. Right. You know, and then when I'm at work, I can go to the bank or I can go to a bookstore. I can, you know, mm-hmm. all within, you know, an easy 15-minute walk. So I think it's, um, you know, even the most people in Sebastopol, I think, live within a f- about a 15-minute walk of downtown. Um, like I said, like, not a lot of people do it. And I mm-hmm. think it's sort of encouraging people that, you know, that's possible and, you know, you don't need to get in your car and it's good for you and it's a nice walk and most of our neighborhoods are nice to walk in. And, right. You know, there's, there's some certainly improvements that have been made and more that could be made to make, you know, crossings of Main Street, you know, we have the kind of bulb outs that have been happening through the years. And when I first moved to Sebastopol, you know, trying to cross Main Street, which is a really wide street, because uh-huh. we used to have a train going down the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's super wide, and be, like, there wasn't even a crosswalk to get to the, to, like, going, like, wanted to walk my toddler daughter to the Jorododa Trail. Right. Like, you just had to, like, really wait for a lot of clearance in the cars before you cross the street because there was no crosswalks, there was no lights or any kind of thing that we have now. So they've been, you know, kind of slowly making improvements to make Sebastopol more walkable. And I think um, more can certainly be done. And I'm hoping that, you know, Main Street just still has a feel of being a state highway because it is a state highway. Right, 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 right. <laughs> um, so Even though most ends of it are, what, south and is 30 miles an hour and I think north end is 30. Yeah, right. yeah, I think so. But it's just like when you're downtown, it's, I mean, the one way I think isn't great because it makes it feel more like a highway because uh-huh. there's like right. two or three lanes of traffic all going in the same direction. And that also just encourages people to go faster because there's 
there's no kind of friction of another car coming at you. Right, and right. Also, the way Sebastopol set up because it, it does, you know, it's a two way street, or the one way streets that then come back, you know, on the south end of town. And if you're heading south, you know that if you're in the left lane, that left lane's going to circle you back around. Right. So people are like speeding up to cut totally. in to get right, into the right, right lane so they can keep going, you know. So it. It creates some not great driving behavior, I think. Or, or uh, like, I, I see it here, too, where I feel like it's it's maybe, like, driving behavior hasn't changed, where a lot of times th- there was just less people, and it was it was quicker to get through Aluma yeah. and Sebastopol at one point. Yeah. And so people are used to driving that yeah. way from yeah. 20 years ago still. They yeah. still have those habits, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. so that section they, they I still see here. Yeah. Like, you're, you're describing East Washington yeah. to me here in town, yeah. right? Like, so it's like yeah. the uh, – so, yeah, I, I – uh, has has there been? I uh, I would think that you know um, Sebastopol's been um, a little bit more ahead of the times in terms I would say walkability and things like that. Mm-hmm. Has there been like a, a big discussion about how to make main, uh, you know the main street uh, more inviting to pedestrians that way? Yeah, and I've been involved in a number of efforts over the years, and the thing that I'm kind of most excited about now is that um, we were just within the past couple months awarded a grant from Caltrans. Um, it's called the Sustainable Communities Transportation Planning Grant. Um, and it's to kind of look at that, like, you know, how do we make Sebastopol, a, downtown Sebastopol in particular, a place that's more inviting to pedestrians mm. because it feels so dominated by the car right now right. that it's it's not. And so this grant, uh, you know, provides the city with a, a chunk of money to hire a consultant team, basically, to kind of look, explore that and to see, you know, what can be done to improve the walkability, bikeability, just sort of alternate modes of transportation other than the car downtown and hopefully kind of revitalize the downtown and support the businesses. Because, you know, if, if it's not a place where people want to be, people aren't going to be there. Right. And I think Spastable is a really good case study between downtown Main Street and the Barlow. Because when you're in the Barlow, even though there are actually a lot of cars in the Barlow, there's a lot of parking, it doesn't feel so much like it because it's really dispersed. The main kind of street through the Barlow, the traffic is slow. Very slow. You know, you feel like you can just walk, wander across the street kind of at any point. It just feels like a place for people. And there actually are specific places. There's the little overhang kind of porch area outside Taylor Lane and then... Wood 4 has that raised deck area, and then there's a little kind of clay pit by the food court. You know, there's a lot of kind of different outdoor spaces that people can gather and congregate and hang out. And Main Street has none of that, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, and you see, like, I mean, I sometimes go to the Barlow, you know, and eat that, you know, walk down there in some evening, and you walk down Main Street, and it is deserted. Right. Most of the businesses are closed. Some restaurants stay open until, like, 8 Sometimes nine, ten on the weekends, a couple. But, you know, then you walk into the Barlow and there's just people everywhere. Right. You know, it just really is a very stark reminder of, like, if you create a place for people to be, people will go, uh-huh. you know. And so I'm hoping that this grant will help, you know, inspire some of that on Main Street to create, a you know, a few more, like, sort of permanent parklet kind of ideas. Like, we had some parklets during the pandemic that kind of, you know, because of the, that whole issue <laughs> right 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 and unfortunately the last one was taken down last week um last week or two weeks ago i guess now uh-huh. and you know it was it was people used it it was really well used and and the city didn't really 
Yeah, and I've just been very frustrated with that. <laughs> the right city now, is, yeah. you know, not kind of, I mean, Caltrans is like, you can make it permanent, but you have to go through this application process. You know, it's a whole thing with Caltrans. That does sort of comp- certainly complicate things in Sebastopol, being uh-huh. a Caltrans right, having right of way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the parklets were really a great addition, I felt, to Main Street for while they were up. And now, you know, that's gone. And, you know, I... I think the businesses will notice it, you know. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we saw the same thing here yeah, uh-huh. as well. Uh, yeah. We still have a couple up uh-huh. that are really like the more, I guess, one of the extravagant one, maybe. Uh, I'm not sure the legality of it, but, uh-huh. it's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's really cool. And yeah, it just, it was kind of like a no-brainer, right? It's yeah. like that, that should have just continued after. That was like a lesson that yeah. we didn't learn. Yeah. Or, you know, it's I like, know, it's it's like, like, like <laughs> I felt like even I've been part of this group that was like, had been advocating for parklets. Years ago, we got the city to adopt a kind of a parklet ordinance. Right. So you could do it. You have to go through Caltrans if you're on a Caltrans right away. And then it's like the pandemic happens. Like, great, this is our opportunity. We're going to do it. And then we had them for a couple of years. And then, you know, the last one just got taken down. Right. There was just not like... I don't know, if it wasn't the will or just the mm-hmm. energy or time, mm-hmm. staff time or whatever, but the city just kind of let it go by the wayside, unfortunately. Yeah. It's so interesting you put out the Barlow that I, I I didn't look at it from that perspective, but I think people now think of the Barlow as downtown Sebastopol. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's totally, I, I hear so <laughs> right. many people, they, I love Sebastopol. Uh-huh. They love the Barlow. Yeah. They people from all over will come to Sebastopol specifically for that. Yeah. And and then we'll walk around where they probably wouldn't have walked around before, but they'll yeah. they'll park a lot farther away. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could park on one side of Barlow and walk to the other side and not even think about it. But yeah. you probably wouldn't park, you know, at the north end of town by I don't know, the post office and yeah. walk all the way down to Whole Foods. Yeah. Which is probably a similar distance. Yeah. But yeah. there's just so much in that centralized area that yeah. it, it really gets people around that area no and i think there's a lot of it and again this comes back to this design of main street like i think if you if it's a nice walking environment you don't think of how far it is like mm-hmm. you're perfectly happy to walk four blocks if it's a nice walk right you right. know but people are like i don't want to park by the post office to go to copperfields or right. to go to the barlow like I, you know that's too far to walk and it's like it's like four minutes it's right. not very far but it's not super pleasant i get it's not a nice walk mm-hmm. so i think that's a really important part of it if you make Again, if you make a pleasant environment, people will be certainly happy to be there. I mean, you go to Costco and you park halfway across the parking lot and you walk to the back of the store and that's like the entirety of Sebastopol, right. you know? <laughs> and people are willing to do that right. without giving it a second thought. That's really good. Yeah. But, you know, it's just funny how we just have this expectation of parking where we our destination, mm-hmm. you know. Yes. And, and but again, you can park on one side of the bar alone and walk to the other side and think nothing of it because it's right. nice, you know, stuff to see on the way. There's people around, you know. It's and like you said, the cars are so slow. I mean, there's yeah, you're never concerned about yeah. safety, whether yeah. it's kids or or elderly or, or anyone. You, yeah, you, it's not even at mine because yeah. it is safe. It's a it's a, it's it's funny, and I think what you said about like people. I think those people, a lot of people, you know, from around the Bay Area come to Sebastopol. I mean, Barlow does great at marketing themselves. Right, yeah. Like they've yep. got billboards yep. up. They're in magazines. You know, they really, you know, yes. promote themselves. And people come to Sebastopol, go to the Barlow, and don't even go to Main Street. Uh-huh. You know, they just don't even know they exist. And there's a real lack of connection. There's, a, you know, the street that goes from the Barlow to Main Street. You know, once you get to the kind of edge of the Barlow, it sort of falls apart. There's, like, no right. real, again, it's just not a good pedestrian environment waiting for a number of years for that hotel 
to be built, which uh-huh. would really be, I think, a good connection that would help make the connection between the Barlow and downtown. Totally. But right now it's just you know a vacant lot, and then there's a, the back wall, of the movie theater on the other side of the street, and it's just not a place. If you don't know Main Street's there, you're not going to know it's there. Right. Right. Yeah, vacant lots and hotels are really a sore subject in this town. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah I, I, I understand that. Uh, speaking about, so so, uh, how do you feel height and mass affect downtown? Uh, let's kind of jump into that and, and, t- and type of those those type of projects yeah. from a standpoint of uh, what people actually perceive with their eyes compared to like, yeah, you know, uh, you know. I think it's really interesting because people get really worked up about height. Um, I think there's, especially in small towns, like people have this fear that a multi-story building is going to destroy the small townness of right. the small town. But if you look at old, you know, 19th century, you know, small towns, you know, many of them have three and four stories, like right on the main street. Like mm-hmm. That's just how you built back then. Right. Like before we had the ability to spread so far out because of the car when we had to sort of keep our towns more compact because people got around just by walking. That was really your only choice. Um, you know, they went up and I, so I, I, I don't think that having a three or four story building is going to destroy your small town character. And I think in many ways it could enhance it. Right. Right. Um, but there is this, I think that's part of the perception is just this, Oh, it's going to be a big city now because it's a three or four story building. Um, but I don't think at the end of the day, like if you allow that to happen, that you're going to feel that way, you know, it'll be a change maybe. I mean, we have one three story building in Sebastopol. Uh And if you say that to people, most people like we do, I didn't, right. Where is that? And you tell them where it is and they like, Oh, that's three stories. Yeah. That's, that's a three. That's what a three story building looks like. It's not blotting out the sun, you know, (laughs) right, right, right. It's not creating some kind of weird wind tunnel effect because it's so tall and it's, it's not out of scale with a a small town. And so I, I feel like there's a, a, definitely a real public concern about that, Mm -hmm. but I think it's, it's off. It's, I don't think it's really grounded in reality. Um, and I, I feel like the, you know, like in Sebastopol, we allow three-story buildings downtown. We have one. Uh-huh. It's not like when you allow that, like, all of a sudden every building takes some kind of growth hormone and we all they all become three stories. Like, that would be kind of overwhelming yes. maybe right. if that all happened all at once. Right, right. But if one happens here and a few years later one happens over there and then well, that one's going to be four-story, like, it's just going to happen kind of randomly and haphazardly and I don't think it's going to be completely overwhelming. No, it probably... <laughs> As generations look back, it'll probably enhance the character yeah. of, of, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, that's what I think people look back and be like, oh, gosh, look at all these buildings. And there'll be an added feature. They, yeah. won't, they won't be separated from the older buildings. They'll be yeah. all part of that and there'll be an enhancement that way. I mean, there's you know? a, so. a real, and this is kind of an urban design thing, but, you know, streets, st- successful streets need to feel like a room. You know, it has to have like edges mm-hmm. and walls mm-hmm. so people feel, com- like, people feel comfortable. We're not typically comfortable and wide open spaces right you know mm-hmm. i think it's very primal like we don't want to just be out in the middle of nowhere we want to feel some sense of protection you know um there could be predators out there you know <laughs> right right <laughs> when we were back in back in the day um so i think that you know having you know a sense of containment which a multi-story buildings can provide also makes a more successful streetscape you know right it makes places where people feel like 
it's a space, you know, when you have like a, I think it's part of the issue with Sebastopol's plaza, you know, we have a plaza downtown, but it's not really held in any way, you know, there's no real sense of its boundary other than there's a street on two sides and then there's a parking lot on the other two sides, but there's no... It's not like Healdsburg. You know, Healdsburg has a quaint, the perfect kind of quintessential kind of town square that's a square, but it has like buildings all around it and it has, it feels like it's a room. It feels like a space. Right. Whereas Sebastopol's plaza, it just sort of, the edges are very kind of amorphous. You know, the Whole Foods across the street, Uh you know, pushed back from the parking lot. The other side where the hotel is going to be is just an empty field. The other buildings are separated by a parking lot, so there's just no real sense of containment there. Right. And those buildings are very small, too. They're all one-story buildings. Like, those were three-story buildings on the across the parking lot. Like, that would start to f- frame the plaza a little sure, bit. Sure, sure. But it's not that way right now. So it, 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 the plaza is not a very active plaza like Healdsburg is uh-huh. because I think it doesn't have that sense of space. You know, people don't really like hanging out there because you feel a little exposed. Yeah, you know, you're, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. I've, I've heard that. I've, you, you did a very good job of articulating that right there, much better than I, than I could because I've, I've, I've tried to get that point across to people. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a hard point, at least for me to explain to them, yeah. you know, but then you're exactly I right. Mean, Petaluma, so. I think you have a sense of that, you know, right downtown. Yes. Like your downtown sort of feels like a space. Right, right. It feels like you're con- kind of contained when you're walking down. Yeah, with the older buildings, they don't have big setbacks. And, yeah, and, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right, yeah, right. Yeah. Have, you have some multi-story buildings downtown. Yep. You have some taller buildings, and they, they provide a sort of sense of containment. Yes. Yep, no, totally agree with that. Um, why is urban fill important? Um, probably for that reason. Yeah, you know, right, you're right. Kind of, you're, you're, I've heard it described as like you're, you're filling in, it's, if, if you have like empty lots downtown, it's like having gaps in your teeth. Right. It's like you're missing teeth. Yep. And, and Spastival does have that problem as well on Main Street. Uh-huh. Like there's like the couple of blocks that are, the two main blocks that are pretty well filled in on both sides. Um, but then as you get kind of further south and north, like they just kind of opens up into surface parking lots and buildings push back from the sidewalk and you again you lose that sense of containment right so i think infill helps you know that aspect of it um and really in a place like sebastopol the infill really needs to be housing you know there needs to be more people living downtown that have this opportunity to live in a 15-minute village right you know like that's there's not huge sites downtown um and but the, but the the ones that we do have could be used for housing, and there's been some that have been for sale. Um, they have a variety of issues that has I think limited their development potential. Um, and part of it is our zoning code, you know, and parking requirements in particular. Um, you know, I think we don't realize that. You know, downtown Petaluma, downtown Sebastopol, all these downtowns, like, we literally could not develop them today. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to build a new building, like on Main Street in Sebastopol, whatever you're building, you have to park it on that lot. Right, right. Like, I don't know if Petaluma has a parking district or anything like that, but Sebastopol did a number of years ago. It doesn't exist anymore. So there was a building right on the main block of Main Street that was for sale a couple of years ago, and it has a restaurant and a kind of a rock gem mineral shop. Mm-hmm. It's like a very nondescript, like 1960 era right. building. It was for sale. And the 
the obvious thing to do would be to tear it down, rebuild it as like commercial ground floor and three stories of residential above. Right. Which you could do from a zoning code standpoint, but you have to park all of that on the lot. And which means you'd have to have a curb cut off of Main Street to go into like mm-hmm. a parking lot, which you wouldn't want that. You right. don't want a driveway cutting across the Main Street, you know, sidewalk. So that lot is not, you know, there's nothing that could happen with that because you can't park it. And there was no alternate parking for it. Like the city just doesn't, if you can't put parking on the lot, then you can't do it. Ah, right, right. So like that, and I know I have a friend that owns a property at the edge of the Barlow. It's right across from Taylor Lane. There's an empty lot there. And he bought it before the bar, like when the Barlow was just sort of being talked about. He thought it'd be kind of a good investment, but it's, it's, again, it's not developable. Like, because he has to park whatever he does on that right. lot, on that lot, and that's only probably the stressful of parking minimums as well. Yeah, yeah. So they have parking minimums, and and you have to do it on the lot that you're developing. Right, um, right. There's some, some exceptions, like you can, like the Barlow has like a. There's a lot of different properties in the Barlow, but they kind of all share in the parking. Uh-huh. So they have you know kind of covenants or whatever kind of restrictions on on where the parking is, that that's being used for everybody's purposes. Right, so that right. you can do things like that. But if you're just a developer that wants to buy a piece of land in downtown Sebastopol, it's for sale, like the one I just mentioned, like you've got to park it on that lot. And this is the reason why we had you on the podcast, why this is so important. Like, just, just going back to this, like, you know, whether it's Sebastopol or Petaluma or, mm-hmm. or Santa Rosa, you know, mm-hmm. all the articles in the Press Democrat recently regarding their downtown the solution's the same. Yeah, it's 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 pretty much the same solution, and and it's just so frustrating that 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 uh, you know we we call this podcast the fifteen minute village because we really want to explain what this mm-hmm. is about. It's about like pulling back these zoning restrictions, and and so that communities can figure things out. So it's it's yeah. like it's like almost less government involvement yeah. and let the free market figure things out. And you have these yeah. lots that that could totally benefit the community yeah right yeah but, but it can't be because of the current b- yeah. zoning and and, yeah. and parking restrictions that way and it's yeah. like it's like whether we're in petaluma or sebastopol or 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 um santa rosa and and, and or anywhere in california yeah. <laughs> you, you're going to be having this argument right yeah. now and, yeah. and the solution is pretty much the same thing and that's yeah. why like it's so important that like let's let's just think about this it's not about like killing your your like you can still drive. We still want you to have yeah. your car. Yeah. But here's the thing. It's like just creating freedom of like what the community wants and giving options of like, okay, yeah, I have my car and maybe I'm going to take it over here, but yeah. maybe I want to walk or, or yeah. ride my bike over here, yeah. right? So like that's what's just so important is like yeah. there's really – and if there's a second solution, I, I'd like to hear it. Yeah. Because no one's brought it to my <laughs> attention at this yeah. point, right? And yeah. so like – but but everything that you're saying is like this This is the solution all the way around. And it's just so ridiculous that it seems like we're constantly – in every community we're having these arguments. It's yeah, like, no, I, I feel like we're we're much more concerned about where we're going to – house our cars than where we're going to house our people. Right. Right. You know, right. We have so much, so many regulations that are revolved. I mean, as an architect, literally the first thing I do when I get a new project, especially a multifamily or commercial kind of project is what, how's the parking going to work? Right. Mm-hmm. How many parking spaces do I need? The first thing I lay out is the parking yep. before I get to any architecture. That's the first thing you have to do because the parking drives the project, right. which is really sad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not about the housing. It's not about creating places for people to be. It's about 
creating places to put our cars when we're not in them. Right. Well, it, it puts a halt to so many projects. It does. Yeah, that's how I got connected with Dave Alden. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I, I, uh, I've been in real estate for almost 20 years now, but mm-hmm. for like 15, parking never really crossed my, maybe mm-hmm. 13. And then all of a sudden I started uh, working with the developer p- projects and, mm-hmm. and parking started coming in. And, I, and so I started just reading more about parking. Yeah, and then I was like, "Well, where does these? Okay, well, what's the scientific data and how?" They, and I was yeah. like, "What? Yeah, <laughs> like these are kind of basically yeah. pulled out of thin air." Yeah, and so then I was like, pretty much kind of walking around talking to myself about parking. Yeah, and someone was saying like, "Do you know who Dave Alden is? <laughs> like, you need to go." And then the next day we're having lunch uh-huh. and had this conversation. And pretty much, yeah, like, like, yeah, he's just a wealth of knowledge yeah. that way. But yeah, it's just parking is absolutely ridiculous. It's really crazy so, how uh, much attention and effort we focus and how our so much of what we do is focused about cars i mean i have projects that i mean did this project it was an existing building i wanted to do a second floor he wanted to put a few different apartments on the second floor he wanted to do three apartments on the second floor but he couldn't park it right so he came down to one it's like i can Uh do one and because just it was a funny lot there was an existing parking lot it was very small and very non-legal kind of parking like the it was very funky parking lot but the planning director at the time was willing to okay you've got those parking spaces you can count those but the curb in front of the building was striped so he couldn't count any street parking the building was literally within a half a block of two city parking lots And so anyway, we designed just a single unit, um, single apartment, because we could park it. And the actually developer and the owner of the building was thinking he might move actually move into it. It was a really beautiful apartment. It was kind of up just west, of, um, one block west of Main Street, uh, kind of kitty corner from the library in Sebastopol. From the second floor, it just had beautiful views over downtown towards Santa Rosa and the hills. And um, anyway, designed it, actually got a building permit and then he just he couldn't afford to do it mm-hmm. and but if it had been three units he probably could have afforded it because it, he could have you know been more rental income for right. the three units than the one mm-hmm. um but he couldn't park three units he can only park one so <laughs> that yeah, project right. you know there's things like that that just don't happen because we have this like weird obsession about yeah. parking and and you look around any of our communities and there's just so much parking I mean Strongtown says this thing I mean, you've already seen this but um, they do uh, Black every Black Friday where they do this we like they about this ask yesterday. people to take pictures of parking lots right because that's the busiest parking right. day of the year mm. you go take a picture of the parking lot at the mall or whatever and see how many you know empty spaces there are it's like why do we there are so many parking spaces in the world. <laughs> so we're weirdos because we're, we're starting a Facebook page called Pedal and Parking, uh-huh. and we've been driving around to the two big parking structures that we have yeah, here yeah. and taking pictures uh-huh. of various times during the day and yeah. the week, and there's yeah. no parking issues. Yeah. In fact, one's like probably 20% full most yeah. of the time, and one, the top level, is always available, and there's still spaces in other levels. So it's like, yeah, it's that same... That same perception that yeah. way. It's just I, like I did this thing for a number for a couple of years. This was a number of years ago, where because I worked downtown, I lived downtown. I walk on Main Street a lot. Every time I walked down Main Street, I counted the number of parking spaces just on the street, uh-huh. like not on the side streets, not in the parking lots, just the number of vacant spaces for like four block stretch of Main Street, four or five block stretch of Main Street, and there was I think I never counted less than ten empty parking spaces right. on the street. Right. And again, like not the side streets, not any parking lots. There are always 10 spaces on Main Street within those four blocks. And 
But yet we, you know, people talk about the parking problem downtown. Well, I can't park when I come downtown. I don't go downtown to Spass because I can't park. Right, right. You just don't want to walk. I don't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And again, I, I get it. Comes back to the walking environment. Like if it was pleasant to walk, people probably wouldn't mind. Or if there was something to do, like when we have. Peacetown concerts in downtown Sebastopol. Sometimes they're at the Barlow. They've been moved to the Barlow mostly, but then they, sometimes they do a couple at, a year at Ives Park. Uh-huh. I live like two blocks from Ives Park, and there's cars all the way down my block, you know, because there's an event, and people want to go to it. They're willing to walk a couple blocks. Right, right. right. You know, so if you make a place where people want to be or an event where people want to be, this, when the Peacetown's in the Barlow, it's packed in there. When they the Barlow has those markets... Uh, you know, once a month they have a weekend to do the, the street fair. There's a ton of people there. There's plenty of places to park, even though they block off the street right. and take up a lot of parking because of the street vendors. Totally. People figure it out. The, the main plaza and Sebastopol, they have the farmer's market and they take out all the parking. Everyone's like, oh, we need that parking. We can't get rid of that parking. We talk about expanding the plaza. Oh, we need that parking. We need that parking. It's like we have the farmer's market. Right, right. And that's an event where people are coming to. Mm-hmm. Some people walk there, but a lot of people drive there and they find a place to park, you know? <laughs> so if you, if you yeah. have an event that's something, a place people want to be, people will figure out the parking. Right, right. Now, you're speaking to the choir. <laughs> so <laughs> I can tell. I can tell. <laughs> yeah. uh, no. And I don't know, I, I, I don't know how to get people to overcome that. Yeah. Like, I just don't know what the, what the method is for letting, getting people to, I don't know, hang on to this. Like, there's not enough parking it's just change I mean and part of it is that I think some people just don't want any change at all and and that's probably the 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 thing they grasp on to Mm -hmm. to make sure that no change happens is is the parking I mean that and we heard at that affordable housing talk a couple weeks ago but um, I mean as someone who's been in front of a lot of you know public meetings for affordable housing projects that is like the number one issue the neighbors will talk about right Parking. Yep. It's not enough parking. Right. There's not enough parking for this project. Where are people going to park? It's going to impact me because there's not enough parking. You know, that is the number one. Every single affordable housing project I've ever worked on, that comment will be made. Right, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I guarantee it. Um, so, but I just don't know how we get people to get beyond that and see that it's really not the issue that they think it is. Yeah, I, 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 it's a, it's a very interesting. It's, I, I don't know. It's like it's almost like a, it would be an interesting field for like a psychologist to, yeah. to study that way to see exactly what the what exactly yeah. is that 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 issue that way. I mean, so. there's been plenty of um, you know once the affordable housing project gets built and uh-huh. there's not a parking problem. I mean, right. but people still kind of hang on to that for the next one. You know, the next one comes along. Well, that one's not going to have enough parking. You know, or that's going to impact my parking and. I don't know, but you know, cities have been getting rid of parking minimums, and and you know, the, their worlds don't seem to be ending. You know, right? And most of the stories I hear and read about those places that do end their parking minimums, it's a positive in the end. You know, good things are happening in those places. That yeah, exactly. Or again, let the free market decide. We yeah. we've, we've spoken to some that says like like point eight parking spaces per unit. Is is kind of like the the bottom mm-hmm. for some, certain projects, mm-hmm. you you know. So I mean, like again, like if you can reduce it to less than one a unit, yeah, 
just yeah. let the free market figure it out. Yeah. You know, and, and if it's and if that's what people want and they're and they're yeah. you know living in the units, then what's the issue? I don't yeah. understand. No, a developer is <laughs> so, not going to build a project that he can't rent the right, units. Totally. Right, like right. he's going to say, you know, I I need to rent these units. People are going to have some cars, so I need to provide. It's not like if you say no minimum parking, developers are going to say, "Okay, we're not going to build any parking," right? Because they're not mm-hmm. going to sell their units or rent their units or whatever. Like they need to provide some parking, but yeah, let the let them figure out what they need, right? And not, yeah, have this weird random because they are just totally random these requirements. Yeah, you know, they're, they're not really based in any. Well, it's not a one size fits all. I forget yeah, who it was totally. that we were talking to. I think it was maybe the affordable housing uh, event that we were at mm-hmm. together where they built a, a, a project right next to a transit station. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think they provided any on-site parking. It was very right. little, maybe less yeah. than half a, a spot per unit. Yeah. Um, so it, for a project like that, it totally works. Yeah. You put a project like yep. that on the outskirts of town, and obviously yeah. you're with no public transportation, yeah. it's, it's not going to work. Yeah. But that's the... It goes back to let the free market decide. They yeah. figured that, that for that project that makes sense. Yeah. For another project it might not make sense. There's a nonprofit, I think it's called it's called Transform. It's a Bay mm-hmm. Area nonprofit and they talk about this thing. They had a program, I don't know if it's still in place, where they, they went and looked at a bunch of, you know, multifamily housing projects and counted the number of parking spaces that were available and did a whole analysis of like where they were, if they're close to public transportation and they had this whole kind of guidelines of kind of recommendations and you know, even the things like if you give everybody a public transit pass, you know, what does that do to your parking requirement? Uh. Or if you have a car share program amongst the, you know, multifamily house, you know, if you had some car share cars, right? That, and you see there's all these kind of other things you can do to really encourage people to reduce their car ownership. Yeah, California's like e-bike coalition now. Yeah. They're subsidizing. You yeah. know, or uh, I know employers are getting involved in these programs. Uh, so yeah. So I think there's a lot of things that you can do to you know, encourage people to reduce right. their car usage. Because cars are expensive to own and maintain. If you don't have to, you know, pay car payments and pay car insurance and pay for gas and pay for all this stuff, like you actually have a lot more money in your pocket right. at the end of the day right. to do other more fun things than just owning a car. Yep. That sits, mm-hmm. I mean, we have two cars, my wife and I, and sometimes I'm like, why, why do we have two cars? Because I walk to work. Uh-huh. I mean, sometimes my car sits on the street for, a week, right, right. <laughs> you know, without yeah. getting used. So, I'm not sure why we. I'm not to go get rid of my so my car when I leave here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand. I understand. Again, let the free market kind of figure that out, right? Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I understand. Uh, is there anything else you that you'd like to talk about that we we haven't touched today? That. Um, nothing burning. At the moment, I'm probably gonna have to have you back on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we get to keep talking for a long. Yeah, time. no, we'll have to have you back on in a couple <laughs> segments because there's a lot I'd still like to talk about. Um, yeah. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Um, so uh, my email address is paul at fritzarchitecture.com. Um, that's probably a good way. Um, I do have a blog on my website. It's fritzarchitecture.com or smalltownurbanism.com. Um, you can contact me through those as well. Um, uh, my phone number is uh, 707-975-6220. Open for you know architecture or urbanism kind of discussions or Very work. Cool. Um, yeah. 
Very cool. Well, well, thank you so much for for coming on today. I knew this was going to be a great discussion. It was. uh, And uh, hopefully we can have uh, more in the future that way. Yeah, for sure. sure. uh, Isaiah, thank you very much for uh, for joining us as well. Um, And if you guys like this, please hit like and subscribe so you can see uh, future content. Uh, Thank you, guys. Talk to you later. See you next time. Welcome to the Live Explore podcast. If you like what you hear, please hit like and subscribe.